0: Learn
1: more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thank you for listening
0: to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.
1: From A&E, the creators of Cold Case Files, comes your next true crime podcast obsession, PD Stories. Every week, law enforcement professionals join host Tom Morris Jr. from America's Most Wanted and live pd to share their experiences insights and perspective on policing you are not going to want to miss this show be sure to subscribe on podcast one apple podcast and many other podcast apps so you can get the new episodes every week mm-hmm. we're almost there. We're almost two Super Bowl week. So like, mm-hmm. I personally get way more excited about the Super Bowl than probably most people do. We're so we'll talk some other stuff. We've got some other good topics here. We're going to talk a little Eli, um, but hopefully not as boring and and mundane a debate as everyone's having on Twitter. We're going to do a little free agent discussion because the quarterbacks the stuff's starting to heat up a little bit. You got Robert Kraft talking in the middle of the street. You've got Phillip Rivers driving to Winnebago. Speaking across. of heating up a little bit, wow. <laughs> um, we're going to do uh, a little draft talk, too, because there are some props out there. And they, they mentioned that the, pro- the uh, draft is going to be located in the middle of the pond, which should be interesting. And then we're going to get to the Super Bowl. We rewatched uh, the San Francisco-Kansas City matchup from week three, have some takeaways from that, and we're going to talk some props. But first, there are a couple of things that I've got to mention. If you're watching this, you can see a little knee. You're showing a little knee. I'm showing a little knee. Yeah. You're going to New Orleans this weekend. I'm uh, excited. What's your favorite New Orleans food?
2: Well, this sounds bad, but the beignet. No, it's not bad. Because you can't like you can't a get the beignet anywhere else. You can approximate the you can approximate everything else in New Orleans. Okay, not great. Like yeah. everything in New Orleans is sure. good. But the beignet you cannot replicate, so There's a chance that New Orleans
1: is, like, the most gluttonous food city. A chance? I think it's, like, fairly, like... Yeah, I guess maybe it's not that close. I mean, I would think, like, there's... Texas barbecue is pretty gluttonous. Kansas City barbecue was good the other
2: day. Saran listens to the show. Thank you for the uh, Joe's barbecue. Oh, yeah, Joe's. So Saran is... Joe's is very good. Saran is such a boss that he ordered Joe's the night before because they're not open on Sunday and Mm -hmm. then had it delivered, like smart good, good man
1: really smart what'd you have ribs okay. jesus now i'm in it now is, now we're gonna have to hurry this up Ayres, can you order us some barbecue uh also but so i noticed your knees but here's the other thing that i got a text right before going on air so my girlfriend like will listen to the show just to be nice i don't yeah. think she actually she doesn't have a, like she like doesn't my mom and dad will
2: say you sounded good it's yeah. like
1: i don't even get that i yeah but it's like a pity download, like I support your, you know, your line of work. But the other day, she's she's like, you roll your sleeves up, and I've noticed, and it's it's not a good look. And so I've sans rolled sleeves today. I got called out. I don't get any comments on how do you sound, or anything like that. But the rolled sleeves, I got called out for. You hate to see it. I, I mean, so not, I kind of like the
2: rolled sleeves look because you, it always, it's versatile. You know what I mean? I roll them. Up.
1: Jesus. This table. So we're in a sauna. It's like 95 degrees. Yeah, it is. Ayers is wearing a jacket, which is insane. I'm sweating We're just preparing everywhere. ourselves for Miami. Look, and this I, table is so tilted that I thought it was falling off the stage. All right, we're off to a good start. We are off to a great start. But at least start. my sleeves aren't rolled and you're wearing shorts. You're prepared for the sauna. Okay Eli Manning he retires can I just say like I don't care about the Hall of Fame discussion do you
2: well no, but I do care about the fact that like so and and this was I was on um, a couple podcasts the last two days talking about like the state of football analytics right like mm-hmm. where are we uh, is it time to take a victory all that kind of stuff and I will contend that Eli Manning's candidacy for the Hall of Fame is meaningless, right? Who cares if he makes the Hall of Fame? Honestly, he seems like a great guy. I don't really care, but but for me, it's it's one of those where it really highlights where we are in terms of the conversation about football, right? And you know, we've gotten gotten a long way, right? We're we're pretty good at detecting what's good and what's bad. But then people come out of the woodwork at a time like now, like hey, seventh all time in passing yards. He has two Super Bowl rings. He's, uh, you know, he, his numbers look great. His numbers are way better than Joe Namath. How did Joe Namath make the Hall of Fame? That's the worst. You know, like he's got way more. He's got more career touchdown passes than Joe Montana and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, where like to me that's the frustrating thing. It's not like, you know. It's not whether or not he should make the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is more of an entertainment thing. He clearly, like, if you're the Giants, you clearly run it back and have him be your franchise quarterback again because you sure. won two Super Bowls. Um, but it, it just it just, again, shows
1: how far we have to come in terms of being able to evaluate players. I do think that the peak versus overall average – conversation is very interesting because i think it applies to like a lot of different things in life so here's here's basically the way to kind of sum it up so we started grading players in 2006 and um he had this four-year stretch from 09 to 2012 where he was a top 10 graded quarterback but every other year aside from that he's been a bottom half guy Mm -hmm. i think he was 14 in 2006 but every other year basically in the 20s And the past few years, it's been 24th, 27th, 22nd, 31st in 2018. Obviously, didn't really play enough in 2019. And that's PFF grade rank. So he certainly hasn't been, it hasn't been anywhere near the kind of Tom Brady, I win Super Bowls, but I'm also playing well enough, you know, to uh, legitimize my my GOAT status, obviously. And then he has the Super Bowl runs, which aren't just Super Bowl rings. Like he legitimately played. Yeah, for sure really freaking well in those Super Bowls. They are not winning those Super Bowls without the way he played. He's won Warren Sharp had this stat about how many games he's won as an underdog in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which I thought like you 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 can't be you're an idiot if you just say, you know what, that doesn't matter because he played so poorly for the majority of his career. Yeah. I, right, right. It, and
2: that and that's the thing. And that's like you see Kurt Warner made the made the Hall of Fame based upon a far shorter time period of being brilliant. The, the hard part is like how much do you discount him for basically being the reason that the Giants were a bad team for an entire decade? You know what I mean? Like that's the second part of the whole equation. Like, is you, that his fault? I would say if we're going to be the people who say quarterback is the most important part of a football team and – you know the Giants. So the Giants made the playoffs twice in the last decade. Yeah. In in 2011, they won the Super Bowl. They had a negative point differential in during that regular season, and then in in 2016, they basically were plus 20 points or something like that. So, like this is not he he wasn't like
1: my point he would carry be that, a historic franchise. My point would be that it was kind of an organizational failure. Yeah,
2: I, and I don't disagree so with I, that. I don't but, think like, he
1: was a good enough player for them to put to for for them to continue putting him back there would be my point like for the last four years of his career you know he's 24th ranks 24th 27th 22nd 31st grades in the 60s mid 60s like i'm cutting bait on that guy yeah immediately but but isn't that part of like isn't that part
2: of the point though the part of the point being that like the hall of fame is probably reserved for players who Are able to elevate themselves above all those things, sure. And 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 well, it's
1: weird. Not for players, you have to make excuses about continuously. In baseball, people freak out about the Hall of Fame, right? Derek Jeter is like one vote shy of unanimous vote, and people are losing their freaking out. Just weird. In the NBA, like everyone gets it. Yeah. Like well, yeah. Basically, I mean it's it's kind of ridiculous. No one really cares that much in the NBA, and in the NFL, in part because it's a small sample size thing. The debates, I think, are even more vigorous because in baseball, there's a lot, there's so much, there's such a large sample size, it's kind of like, well, he cleared this cut off, he cleared this cut off, he has this many strikeouts, right. and in the NFL, it's like we can have these kind of very nuanced conversations where you're talking about, well, he played 16 games a year for 10 years, and 10 of them were so great that he won two Super Bowls for a franchise. Yeah. And I had an epiphany in the shower this morning. Oh, no. I think... I think for to a lot of people that I'm friends with, I'm kind of like an Eli Manning. And here's what I mean by that. Oh no! Here's what I mean by that. I'm I'm pretty much out of their lives. I don't. I'm not good at keep as a culpa. I'm not good at keeping in touch with people that are living across the country or you know that aren't that I don't work with. But when I do get in touch with them, right? If I go visit, if we go on a trip, right? If we go out full send i i'm i'm not trying to toot my own horn here but i'm like a great friend to have cuz i go all out
2: yeah you do you do do that i that's a that's a good but, but you're made, not
1: it, but it was horrible to have that
2: realization yeah but, but but there's a different thing though it's like I, and that's not terrible, but it's you're not actively
1: sabotaging
2: the pr- other person when you're gone. That's true. So, They're not like,
1: relying on me yeah. to be their quarterback during the rest of their lives. So, that's good. That makes you feel better.
2: So, like, so you're not negatively impacting the, their their, their lives. lives. Whereas, you know, and and again, look, look, and I've said this before. Like my personal stance is, I don't think he should make the Hall of Fame, but I also think, like, my personal thing is, if you're a Giants fan. That's fine. If he's in your if he's in your Hall of Fame, I'm fine with that. And and but in my opinion, the Giants should frankly, if Giants fans should feel fortunate that they won two Super Bowls that in all honesty they shouldn't have won. Yeah. Like if you run the the Eli Manning career that's back, that's a great point. If you run the Eli Manning career back, they the the median outcome is they win zero Super Bowls. Right? And so the fact that they won two, like, don't get greedy here. Don't, like, then tell us that we, our whole our quarterback should be considered in a Hall of Fame with guys like Montana, with guys like Steve Young, with guys like uh, Len Dawson and yeah. all these players that, like, uh, you know, Troy Aikman, all these players that were truly great. Like, no, ha- take your two Super Bowls. You earned those. Probably shouldn't
1: have. And and have fun. Like, we're happy for you. Two, two things to close this out. I think it's ridiculous. I, I love... I have no problem with people arguing about it on Twitter, but the people who get like actually mad about it yeah. should go, you know, jump in a very cold lake. We have one here if you're looking yeah. for one. It's, uh, it's not the greatest, but no, yeah. it's it actually looks like mud. But uh, don't you can't you should not be allowed to get mad about this because if you get mad about the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like, come on, man, get a life, or or a woman, get a life. Um, the second thing about that is, I almost think it helps him if he doesn't make it because he's able to have this this career after football where he can play that up and it's not like he didn't make it like Pete Rose didn't make it he didn't make it because he kind of got gypped and he can sort of Giants fans should love him and he can play up on that a little bit. somebody in baseball Burt Belilevin was like that where he
2: wait what say that last name again Burt Belilevin isn't it Blylovin I don't know. He was the he was the color commentator when I was when I was, a, <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a Twins fan. I know back just in
1: the day. enough about baseball to yeah. be
2: dangerous. So the thing about Bert was that his stick on the air was that he had made the Hall of Fame and he was sort of deserving. You look at all the sabermetrics and everything. He basically was, but he was an All Star twice. He like won a couple of World Series, but like from traditional baseball parlance, he wasn't a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. right? And so his stick for all the years was like, I should be a Hall of Famer. And he finally got in, and now it's like. Bert doesn't have his bit anymore, and it's like you know, I agree with you. I think Eli could like make a case. Like it's sort of like remember like Christine Michael is for Seattle fans. It's like well there be there be no more fun if he was actually good. The 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 fun is is in this idea that he got gypped the entire time, yeah. and like like I think that that's a good point. There
1: you go. Better that he yeah, doesn't yeah. go to the Hall yeah, of yeah, Fame. Yeah. Then he's he's Christine Michael of quarterbacks. You heard it here first. Eli did nothing wrong. That won't get it. No one will be mad about uh, that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we move on to the next segment, I should mention we've got some cool stuff on PFF.com. We try to, I think the best thing about PFF is that not only can you in season learn about players and the game and everything probably as well as you can from any site, but the draft and free agency and all these pieces that are ancillary to the season that mean a ton, we have a really robust set of things for you to to utilize. So, um, the free agent tracker is up. It's new and improved, so you can actually—it's like a web app now. Yeah, our buddy uh, Scott Berwinkle, who's a magician on the keyboard, uh, created a really awesome uh, free agent tracker. You can go check it out. The link's on our Twitter, um, and you can look at team needs, and you can look at you—if uh, you have a subscription, you can get the war wins above replacement Mm -hmm. for the last three years for that player which is new and improved you get analysis by sam steve uh solly wrote a few solomon uh, Wilcotts. um so a bunch of really good stuff there you should go check it out i want to talk about quarterbacks oh man since we last talked philip rivers has moved officially to florida mm -hmm. which means the chargers job ostensibly is open tom brady uh, has been rumored to be getting a divorce with Giselle Bündchen. Come on. Yeah, you didn't see this? No. Yeah, it was like on some uh gossip magazine. Now he's completely refuted it and a little bit of investigation into his Instagram comments would tell you that they're in a good place. But I'm just saying, like the rumor mill is happening. Look, so yeah. Robert Kraft told TMZ they planned to re-sign him as he was getting into a car to go somewhere. Um and uh and then you've got the Chicago Tribune wondering if Dak Prescott will back up Mitch Trubisky next year. Come on. Where have you been? Uh, I, I did see the Chicago Tribune literally t- tweeted something that said Dak Prescott and then named a couple of other free agent quarterbacks. Eli was one of them, yeah. I believe and go potential backups for Mitch Trubisky next year.
2: I mean, that we've had our, our ups and downs with Dak. Come on, but come on That, Holy buckets. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, how many teams in the NFL would Mitch Trubisky actually start for? Let
1: alone, like, like he should barely start for the Bears, frankly. I would say this. the We just mentioned the Chargers. Chargers need a quarterback. Yeah. Who's their backup right now? Tyrod? Tyrod would start in Chicago. Tyrod would start over Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Bears fans will have a conniption about it. And I would say go enjoy having a conniption about it. Yeah. Because if you watched a game this year and suffered through that, you probably, anytime
2: a Bears fan wants to come at me about Trubisky,
1: I always tell them to go cash their over nine and a half wins ticket. That's all I'll tell them. That's a good one to cash. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if they come at you about Trubisky with the same accuracy of Trubisky, you don't need to worry I will never. about it. I I don't even have to duck. <laughs> um. So, so
2: that's okay. So realistically speaking, thinking about quarterback positions that are open, Tampa is possibly open, yeah. right? Los Angeles Chargers possibly open. Indianapolis Colts is possibly open. I think the, the Colts are such a smart franchise. They put they put Persett in a position where he's either going to be a really well paid backup or a moderately paid starter. So that that position is open. You can make a case that Jacksonville, you know, mm-hmm. is is a possibility. Obviously Dallas if they don't go back to Dak. Um,
1: I'm gonna my, go. I'm gonna go pull up the free agent. tracker right now I mean there's New Orleans the Drew Brees so I kind of think about it in a couple of of tiers there's the guys who I really don't think are going anywhere The guys who I really don't think are going anywhere are Drew Brees and Dak Prescott the reason is that Dallas can't Dallas can't really afford at this stage to have that position be unclear Mm -hmm. and unless they are signing Tom Brady which I thought would have been like a package deal sort of thing I don't think that's happening so Dak, to me, is staying in Dallas. Drew Brees is staying in New Orleans. And then there's kind of— The Tennessee, right, with with, with Tannehill. With Tanne- you'd assume they franchise him. But then there's like a couple—like Tom Brady, I really think, is going back to New England because I can't see a city that allows him to grow his brand like Boston does. And I think Kraft loves him enough that he'll, that he'll keep him there. But there's still a little question mark. And then there's just like total I have no idea, right? There's Philip Rivers, there's Teddy Bridgewater, there's Jameis Winston, uh, there's Marcus Mariota, even. Um, and I'm very curious. Like, do you think Philip Rivers just retires? I think he'd
2: be smart to. I mean, I, in all honesty, like the problem, the, like Rivers to me has a better Hall of Fame case than Manning. I agree. But but we're getting to the point where. If he does not like, if he hangs on a little too long, he could be in a position where he's like a lot like Eli to many people, where he loses more and more of a of a claim to the Hall of Fame status if he plays poorly. Now, last season he wasn't terrible, terrible. Like he wasn't great, but you know he wasn't like a below replacement level quarterback, but he wasn't like amazing, right? And and so, like I do think retiring is a good is a good you know opportunity for him because what's the side why if you're philip rivers what's the motivation to continue playing you want to win a super bowl you're not winning a super bowl probably in la because the kansas city chiefs are the class of that division and they will be well, also long.
1: because you can't really drive a rv from florida to los angeles right
2: you're not winning a
1: super you could i
2: mean tampa bay is an interesting team because so arians is a, is a good coach the wide receivers are terrific the defense is better um but again you and the saints could be on the downswing like there's always that possibility but the th- nfc is stacked but the nfc is stacked and you have to go through that and like again it, it like what what is rivers here for anymore like his best opportunity was with the 2018 chargers he runs it back in 2019 it just, just didn't work out cuz the chargers are the chargers i just i do think retiring is his best I
1: think option
2: or option. tennessee might be a, a you know tennessee would being a team where like i think maybe like after a couple glasses of wine you can convince yourself that that team
1: is not that far away i mean here's the thing about philip rivers if he moved his family to florida he ain't moving them somewhere else so you have to decide whether you think he's actually willing to play in a place that is many states over yeah. and i would argue that if you're going to choose one of those states, and you just don't care. Well, then hell, go to Indianapolis because yeah. they've probably got a they've got a better infrastructure. This is what's kind of crazy to me, though. Past two seasons, Tom Brady, number 12th ranked quarterback by PFF grade, had the uh, was the 14th most valuable quarterback. Philip Rivers was the 16th most valuable quarterback. Two years ago, Tom Brady, fifth most valuable quarterback. Philip Rivers, sixth most valuable quarterback. So it's not as if you're getting, you know, if you can t- talk yourself into Tom Brady being still a Super Bowl caliber winning quarterback, which I yeah, believe he is, that, that Patriots offense was an absolute disaster, then Phillip Rivers should be there too. Yep. And I don't, under, so you brought Tampa Bay, this is what I was going to bring up. I don't understand why Tampa Bay wouldn't go after him. Because you, as much as you love Jameis Winston, and I think you love him because he hit the over, or hit the uh, season yards uh prop that oh, you bet of course I, I I don't see it well I just I, just, I don't see it and Philip like you can't the negatively
2: graded throws are just are too high for Jameis the, the the thing with Jameis is the the hard part with Jameis is and why I want him to go back to Tampa Bay is because Tampa Bay is the best place for him right but ta- but Jameis is not the best player
1: for Tampa Bay so it's really a one-way street there. So here, I mean, here's what I would look at. You can go check this out on the free agency tracker, by the way. This is, I'm finding this to be very useful. I didn't think it was going to be as useful as it was. Yeah. Very useful. Can you win? So I just talked about Phil Rivers. He was the number 7 ranked quarterback two years ago, Number 17 last year p- using PFF grade. Can you win a Super Bowl with a guy that's a top 10 quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. So he's been a top 10 quarterback two of the past three years. James Winston has been in the 20s. Two of the past three years, and number sixteen three years ago. Yeah. Can you win a Super Bowl with that type of PFF? You grade? have to get very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you basically have to like have a Nick Foles playoffs after squeaking into the playoffs. Okay, so let's swing this, swing this all the way around then, because we go
2: to Dak now. Yep, Dak was the number is now the number three quarterback in terms of WAR after incorporating playoffs. Tenth in PFF grade. His prior two seasons were twentieth and nineteenth in grade, eighteenth and fourteenth in WAR can you win with Dak? Because that's the thing. Like, the thing with Dak is he's had two good seasons and two mediocre seasons. And we talked about how, you know, going into the season, they shouldn't buy into Dak. And now, like, the 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 sort of consensus is they should and having a new head coach and all that kind of stuff. But is Dallas a place for one of these older quarterbacks to have, to have a possibility to go in and have some success with Kellen Moore uh, and Mike McCarthy with an offense? Like, do you go do not mortgage your future on the quarterback position and mortgage it let's say on byron jones and amari cooper and then have like kind of a a medium level quarterback deal for somebody like philip rivers or tom brady like is is that opened up
1: i legitimately thought that the cowboys should think about tom brady like that they should just sign everyone else and take tom brady for a couple years doesn't seem like McCarthy's going to win. What's want. the
2: downside? I mean, the downside is, is you sign Dak to a $40 million per year but, contract. But that's
1: the downside, right? And, you, and you, you. There is. I don't think he's Joe Flacco. Yeah. But there's like Joe Flacco potential there, right? You pay this Without guy, the ring. You pay this guy that much money, and you're just never yeah. able. You have to get rid of so many other pieces that he's not able to elevate your team above that, that level. And I think here, here's the, the kicker for Dak Prescott. I believe that the Cowboys should have handled this far differently. That Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones should have gone in last year and said, look, we want to win a Super Bowl. You know who's won the most Super Bowls over the past 20 years? The Patriots. Yeah. Can we, can we work on, keep, we want you to be a Cowboy for life, like Tom Brady has been a Patriot for life. We're going to take care of you. Yeah. But that needs to start here and now. We're going to, we're going to work out a contract that allows us to keep your nucleus around don't worry, you'll get taken care of. But that'll allow you to win Super Bowls. Because honestly, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys or make a couple of deep runs, like, he's going to be yeah. a nobody real soon. And they and they went about this the
2: entire wrong way from our perspective when you look at the order in which they uh, they kept Signed all these players, people. right? So you look at DeMarcus Lawrence as an edge player. Like, he's cer- certainly good, but we don't view edges as as valuable as corners. They they went with him instead of, you know, Byron with Jones. Byron Jones. Um uh, the linebacker, Jalen Smith, had one good season. They signed, they buy into him. Like, those two players, if you were to cut them, would be a, a combined $24.4 million in terms of dead money this year. So, like, they're not going anywhere. Like, you can't absolve that. And then Ezekiel Elliott as well, he's almost $15 million next year uh, of, of dead money if you were to let him go. Like So, like, th- the hard part about McCarthy and why he's got a lot of work in front of him is the fact that, Dallas went about the order of constructing this roster backwards, and there's not really a way to go in and undo it, right? When we saw Doug Peterson, when he took over the Eagles, what did he do immediately? He traded Kiko Alonzo, right, to the Dolphins along with Byron Maxwell. Like, he, like, literally said, okay, there's a, some of these things that Chip Kelly did that I'm going to undo immediately, and that's not the case. That, that can't be the case with Dallas. So Dallas had five
1: players yeah. that were question marks. They went and signed the— two by far least valuable first they now have the two most valuable in Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott and then Byron Jones who's you know third there on that list and that could get real ugly ugly really quickly I mean Mm -hmm. we could be looking back at this and being like holy cow if all three imagine if all three of those players went to other teams I mean they're going to be I think by it could all be very very good players and the Cowboys could be sitting there with fat Zeke and and Ryan Tannehill yeah could be really ugly for them yeah
2: that is, so so interestingly so let's just talk about this briefly are we bullish on Dallas next year or like there's so much more to be determined right because I, I I'm I, very skeptical I would say if they're if their win total is nine and a half
1: well you don't know what their team construction uh, is right well, or that's yeah.
2: but let's say they, let's say they re-sign Dak to a a 30 to 35 million dollar deal and they're able to keep either Byron Jones or Amari Cooper. I'm bullish on them. Even with, you know, Philly probably being healthy and the two teams, you know, there's nowhere to go but up for the Giants and Redskins. I'm still bullish on them. Anything short of that, I'm kind of a
1: wait and see on Dallas. I'd be very nervous if they got rid of Amari Cooper. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you can roll out Michael Gallup Blake Jarwin And be super excited about mm-hmm. that As good as I think Dak played This year and as smart As I believe Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy Combo to be that you're just Going to lose there real quick la- 20 seconds Teddy Bridgewater Ends up where uh, That's a great Question um, I got uh, A place for you okay go, go for, I- Welcome to Los Angeles Teddy Bridgewater
2: so okay do you think it's in a competition with with Tyrod Taylor, yes. or do you think it's a okay? Because in my opinion, there's probably like I and I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. I when when you say that I I'm hesitant about like does he even get a chance to start in the NFL right now, um, or should he take another season as the apprentice to Breeze in, in New Orleans? Let me tell you what if it's the Chargers, I think he should stay in New Orleans. I agree. I, well, he, And we've already seen that he's a smart guy because he had the opportunity to start in, in uh, Miami last year and decided to stay in New Orleans. I feel like he's the kind of quarterback that Sean Payton... Like, I think it's a smooth transition between... Uh, breeze in him
1: yep. he's obviously not nearly as good but it's a smooth transition dream scenario for next year teddy stays in new orleans phil rivers goes to tampa bay and Jameis goes to los angeles and throws to keenan allen and uh Margie
2: and those Williams. are some down the field players those are some you. big A dot players oh, that's
1: that's a great idea okay cool you're welcome um all right uh, another thing that is out on on pff right now is the draft guide if you're into the senior bowl check it out we're not going to talk about the senior bowl because heaven forbid we spend more time Talking about guys running one on ones, but it's fun to watch. And Mike and Austin have you guys covered, so you should check it out. Draft Guide is live. It's fucking, It's fucking awesome. um Yeah, Mike did a good job with that. But let's talk about the draft real briefly because there's a prop out there. Nothing gets you more excited than a little prop action. Yep. Talk to me about this one. So that they're doing the. You love the Blasio fountain. It's a beautiful place. It's a a great place where dreams are made. And they're going to have the draft in the middle of the Bellagio Pond. And apparently the players are going to be, you know, motorboated out there. (laughs) You motorboating son of a bitch. (laughs) The old sailor, you. And uh, that there's no way that goes wrong. That'll that'll be great. Uh, What's the prop here? BetOnline.ag
2: has the prop. Uh, Any first round pick jump in the Bellagio Pond at the draft. Uh, yeah. the no is minus 500 the yes is plus 300
1: i think that the yes ha- i i would bet the yes immediately yeah there's no doubt that someone jumps in the bellagio pond especially because i think the weather will have war- people probably don't people forget that las vegas gets very cold in the winter but it will be warm enough i believe by then, by then that, yes. you can jump in the pond and i would not be surprised it wouldn't surprise me if your your boy Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's kind of a brash young man. Spoke to cigar in the locker room, bad boy. Coming to Cincinnati, we need a little attitude. I would lay the
2: I would lay the price with the no. Okay. I think yes. Cuz I don't it. think for one like I don't think that all 32 people will actually be in Vegas for it. Like I think some people go all Joe Thomas and like yeah. go fishing and all that crap and then and I I think that like Rog the Rog dog is is going to be you know fairly uh, he's going to send
1: a message maybe but maybe he wants someone to jump in that's true maybe The, the bigger question here is who gets taken up on the boat number two and I don't I don't know why people aren't talking about this more I think we should talk about it every freaking podcast until people start listening which is if Tua Tagovailoa is healthy the fact that the Redskins are not thinking of drafting him is absolutely ludicrous to me. And I'll just bring it up again. Like Khalil Mack has been a really, really good player. At his peak, he's been worth about six-tenths of a win above replacement. He's played really, really freaking well for Raiders teams and Bears teams that have been massively underwhelming. Aaron Donald, same thing. J.J. Watt, same thing. J.J. Watt, is if Chase Young is J.J. Watt, Like, you'd be ecstatic, right? That's Mm -hmm. his ceiling. What did Houston do with crappy quarterbacks? Absolutely nothing. So the fact that Washington isn't thinking of drafting Tua, to me, is absolutely ludicrous. The teams that then could trade up, though, if Washington doesn't want to draft him, the Chargers, the Panthers, you've got the Dolphins, Mm -hmm. where would you want him to go?
2: Here's a question that I'm going to ask, given um, where we currently are, because... You know, and granted, n- not everything has worked out for the Cleveland Browns, but the Cleveland Browns did take a few years before they finally acquired their franchise quarterback. Because the obvious choice is the Dolphins, and, and but the question is: is are the Dolphins ready to incorporate a quarterback? Because they were, if you add up the wins above replacement, they were the worst team in the NFL this year by country mile. They have a great coach, and I think. You know he got a lot more out of that team than than you know, he possibly could have. They have the ammunition, yep. but but that ammunition needs to acquire players, right And so the the calculus that has to be done is okay, is two Valiola better than any quarterback you can take next year, right? plus the the sort of like you know uh, the players that you'd have to trade to trade up. Um, it's a really interesting question. I I always lean towards taking the quarterback because if the quarterback is good, all the other sins are covered up. Generally, um, but I, to me it's the to me it's the Dolphins. Um, I think Detroit could make a play um, because you know Stafford is still good, and Stafford could generate some value in a trade uh, at some point in time, um, and obviously Washington too. But to me, it's Miami. Miami is the most interesting one here.
1: I, I do agree with you. To me, though, the Panthers are also very interesting because they are building an infrastructure that is there for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're taking Tua, you need to be there for the long haul because yep. you should probably be cautious with him. Um, you may, you know, you may it may be the case that you want to sit him out for a good portion of that. Yeah, uh, that first year is, the, the, is Cam Newton the type of like. So
2: the interesting thing is is. There are quarterbacks that I think can be the bridge. Like, if you're. I think if yeah, you're. Cam
1: Newton ain't that guy.
2: Yeah. Cam Newton's not going to no. stick around to, and, and be the mentor to. Like, I, that. that's a negative connotation, but it's more like Cam Newton's probably too good. Like, Andy Dalton's a guy who I think will stay around when Burrow's there, probably yeah. because he doesn't have a lot of other good yeah. options, but he's also. Like, whereas Cam Newton. I think the implication is that he has more options and so if somebody's coming in to take his
1: spot he's just going to leave Cam Newton or Jameis Winston one of the two is going to Los Angeles I think if Carolina makes a play at Tua at number two yeah. then then there, there's a chance there
2: are so many quarterbacks in the open market though that the Bears went from not having any ammunition to get Newton to might to maybe having enough given that I think Newton's just by the sheer like supply of quarterbacks that are available I don't think Newton's going to garner as much in a trade
1: Here's, so here's a question. Yeah. Could the Chicago Bears trade Khalil Mack to the Detroit Lions to draft Tua? Like as a part of a package? Uh, that would just be sweet. Yeah, that'd be great. But I'm just trying to rile up the Bears. Yeah. I mean, it would be better for their franchise. All right. We're going to talk Super Bowl before we do. I just talked about how I don't uh, roll up the sleeves of my shirts anymore. Sure. But the real, the biggest issue that I have with shirts is finding a like, actual, like, nice shirt to wear that fits Mm me, Proper Cloth has come to the rescue because they make dress shirts that actually fit. They ask you 10 really easy questions, use a machine learning algorithm, that then custom creates your size so you don't have to worry about fitting in to some other random mannequin size. It's a totally custom-fit shirt, propercloth.com. usually create it. It takes, like, 30 seconds if you're not a complete computer moron. Um, Maybe two minutes if you are. You can customize literally everything. You want a bigger pocket, bigger left cuff for your watch, 30 different style options. You can totally make it your own. Plus, it's real quality. The best fabrics from around the world. They only use the best stuff. I love them. If it weren't a sauna in here, I'd probably wear them every day. But I have the, you know, nice long sleeve ones. And and those can get, you know, I bought them for winter. It ain't winter in here. It's a tropical disaster. Anyways. Proper Cloth, far from a disaster. Proper Cloth is absolutely awesome. I I couldn't recommend it more, honestly. I'm never buying a dress shirt from anywhere else. They are featured in the New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, Esquire, GQ, Fast Company. GQ said they are their new favorite online custom shirt maker. Go to propercloth.com, use promo code PFF20. So you go propercloth.com slash PFF and use promo code 20 to get $20 off your first shirt. Taking any to New Orleans? Uh, No. It's going to be warm there. Yeah. All right. We watched Week uh, three of 2018, which I think you wanted to do just to just to take a dagger, stick it in me and twist it a little bit because that was the game that Jimmy G ended up um, torching his uh, his ACL. But I thought it was it was interesting. Rewatching that game, I realized it was an inflection point for the 49ers. It was a, a very a good microcosm of what their season was last year, but it also set the table for them to have some draft capital to kind of reset and retool for this year, which obviously has been a big success. Nick Bosa was great and Jimmy G was able to come back and, and not be, you know, and and continue to play well after he got over a couple of jitters, rewatching that game in case you haven't rewatched that game. So it's week three. Mahomes has just started off on this incredible tear. Right, he just roasted the Steelers the week before yep. as an underdog in Pittsburgh, and this game, I mean, they just get off to really one of like the more impressive starts. They're, <laughs> they they scored touchdowns on their first five drives. Yep, I mean they are absolutely unstoppable. Some of the notes I have is holy fucking shit, Mahomes is good. They go up 21 twenty one seven. Uh, That's when he like he scrambles around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the play, the play that like. you should go look up that play it's ridiculous the next drive they score again it's 28 7 and the so from the Chiefs perspective this was this was Mahomes and this was his year they were just absolutely unstoppable and they got off to this really fast start the Niners on the other hand their very first play is a Kittle drop the next play is a failed end around and then they have a terrible punt and it like summed up their
2: season yeah, when the Chiefs started so the Chiefs started the season, I believe the first like five or six games of two thousand and eighteen, they they were terrible defensively. But every single game their defense they, they deferred and they would force the three and out and they would get ahead. That was literally their like and it, it was it happened in this game and, and it happened in many ways, not because the Chiefs defense was any good, but because the other team's offense self destructed. Yep. Um the one of the things that was interesting about this game to me was how good Kareem Hunt was, right? And how how explosive of a runner he was. But I kept looking, thinking to myself, how much different would this game be if Damian Williams was playing? And I kept coming back to the fact of, no, Mahomes steals every deal, right? Like, Mahomes is the one that was making all the plays. Um, so we'll talk about the, the similarities and differences between the teams now and then um, in a second, but it was interesting because Kareem, you know, what was the talk last year in week 10 or whatever when cream hunt got kicked off the team it was like oh, well chiefs will never be the same and i remember i got drill you know i got on you the got radio drill. i i said you know he's worth maybe a quarter of a win at best and people are like you're ridiculous this is you know and we saw i mean like the 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 two running backs in in uh, next sunday's game are two undrafted guys so uh it was fun to see cream hunt play obviously you know um, fun to see a running back that explosive and that and that talented, but ultimately, like his effect on the Chiefs' offense was basically nil.
1: You know, so the Chiefs get out to this huge lead, and it, it's interesting because I could see this is what the Chiefs want to do in this game in the Super Bowl. They want to get out to a lead and make Jimmy Garoppolo play from behind. And I was very interested to watch the Niners play from this huge deficit, and to their credit, in the second half like Jimmy G went from an eight out of like 11 to 6. In other words, he was throwing about half as far downfield but was far more efficient. They moved the ball and they were actually able to get back into the game. In the first half, Mahomes was brilliant. But they had the this was the most penalties that the Niners have had in the past 2 mm-hmm. seasons. It was the most missed tackles they have had in the past 2 seasons now. Yep. Are those things a manifestation of the fact that the Chiefs are a great offense? Certainly. But it's also indicative of the fact that they got off to a really rotten start. And I was impressed with the way that the Niners battled back and made this a game. And they actually had a chance to cut it to one score. Yep. But then Garoppolo took a sack um, on like a first and goal from the 10. And that basically can't. And then he tears his ACL, I think, on the next play. Uh Shh. Should have just ran
2: out of bounds. I mean, that was like.
1: Well, he like sort of was. I think one of the reasons he tore is because I think he was indecisive. Yeah. But they actually came back and had a chance. And in the second half, Garoppolo was fantastic. Had a 141 pass ring from a clean pocket. The the pass protection was not great in that game Mm -hmm. for uh, Jimmy G and, and the 49ers. Whereas on the other side of things, and this is something that isn't getting enough play right now, is that Mahomes' offensive line has been. Sensational, and he it was in this game too. I mean, he just had the freedom that he had in the pocket to move around. Obviously, his pocket awareness was great, but he was just so dynamic from both inside and outside the pocket. It it really was a like Mitchell
2: Schwartz is great in the game was unbelievable. He gave up just one hurry, and that's again despite the fact that the Niners had you know even even now they're they're up front they're so much better with D Ford and, and Joey Bosa. But back then they still had Armstead, they had Buckner, uh and in, you know, and the Chiefs offensive line did terrifically. Um Mahomes still, much like the other day, he was responsible for four pressures on his own, right? He's still the same QB in that regard. Um they're a little bit better offensively now that, you know, without instead of having Chris Conley, they go with DeMarcus Robinson, uh What's his name? I'm Cole Hardman like there. I think that they have a little bit more explosiveness on the outside. Um, you know, it, it'll be it's really interesting to look at the contrasting things here because you, you, the, you saw some things with the Niners offense in this game that are like now. You know, you you the Chiefs, you know, linebackers had such a difficult time covering tight ends and running yep. backs. We saw you check have that like wheel route touchdown over Anthony Hitchens. And that's something that like Bob Sutton refused to address all season. And then early on in the season this year, Bagnolo had a tough time with, and now the chiefs do a pretty good job on running backs because they cover them with safeties and corners. And, and so it will be interesting to see, you know, you saw a lot of the, the Shanahanian offensive, like, you know, tactics here and they did work. I mean, the, 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 um, Chief uh, the San Francisco 49ers scored a bunch of points, especially in the second half, but just, was not enough because of
1: the chiefs you know torrid start i'm glad you brought that up because i have have a couple big takeaways on both offenses i can't wait for shanahan reed Uh, this is like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm not gonna have pants on by the (laughs) by the second drive of the game in the super bowl there were two things that i expect to see again so from the offensive standpoint for the 49ers they did the the juice check pitch Uh do you remember that play yep so after watching this game, I go, I'm going to go watch the Saints game from this year where the Niners got down and see how they played that game. Yeah. Guess what play they ran in that game? The pitch. Use check pitch. I, I expect to see that play. I expect to see, see use check utilized in a lot of interesting ways in the run game and in the pass game. They also took those deep shots that I think they're better prepared to execute this year because overall, it was glaringly obvious to me that Pierre Garcon, Probably didn't have a lot left. That Marquise Goodwin is fast, but he's not. He's not as good of a route runner anywhere near as good of a route runner as Sanders, and nowhere near as great of a after the catch can do everything as as Debo Samuel is now. So to me, the Niners are better prepared to implement those types of plays: the handoffs to Kittle, the trick plays with use check the deep shots down the field, which they took in New Orleans. So that, that's one takeaway from the Niners' offense. On the other side. There was something that I, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, because you watch more Chiefs than I do, but there was something in this game that I expect to see happen in the Super Bowl, and that's Tyreek Hill in the backfield. Tyreek Hill was in the backfield on a couple plays in this game. It was something that I don't think they've done that much this year because of the injury. But now that they've made the Super Bowl, I'm expecting both of these guys to just, I mean, the kitchen sink for these guys, especially Andy Reid, the kitchen sink is most people's kitchen.
2: Yeah, I th- I think o- another reason is that Hardman is a player that can do a lot of the things Hill does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Has he I, been in the backfield a lot. Yeah, I mean he runs that like orbit motion the, thing, the
1: ghost motion. Yeah, yeah but the, I'm stuck, like actually lining up, like have up. him run the yeah. football. Because both teams actually. There's another take. Sorry, another takeaway that I had. I so I didn't think the Washington game would be that great. You watched it, was. it. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was because ghosts- if
2: you're a Niners fan, you look at how far they've come. Right, Shanahan had two seasons of losing football to to get to where he is now. And you look and you're saying, okay, like were those just lost seasons? And you watch this game, you're like, no, this was a way to sort of weed out some of the nonsense, right? Like, Matt Reed averaged nine yards carrying this game. Yeah, but awesome. who was the starting running back for the Niners? Is Alfred Morris? Yeah. Like, they figured out that they can't have sled dogs like Carlos Hyde and Alfred Morris mm-hmm. on the team. They have to if, if you get a Buster now, like Raheem Morris. But what is he? He's a fast running back, right? Like, even if he doesn't have a pedigree at all, he's at least got the... And, and again, you talked about Marquise Goodwin. Like, Goodwin's a good football player. Uh, Trent Taylor's a good slot receiver. But they just don't fit into that They're scheme. not Sanders. So those two Sanders. years that the Niners had to sort of lose football games and figure it out were worth it because now they're here, right? So when you watch a game like that, it's, it's oftentimes, like, I actually... this a, a, I watched the Niners-Chiefs game from 14, Uh, You know, four or five years ago, because it was, it showed like the Chiefs wide receivers are Dwayne Bow and Junior Hemingway. We
1: only have so much time. And
2: all those, all the things that the Chiefs had to go through to get to where they are now, and you appreciate how brilliant they are now. Yeah. If you're a Niners fan, I think you have some of that
1: there in this game because of all the iterations in the team. It was an inflection point for Niners history, I I really truly believe. And it was interesting. Uh, I think both offenses, you brought up Nicole Hardman, who has been fantastic and limited finally outsnapped size. uh uh DeMarcus Robinson I think you know their third receiver now for sure both these offenses are better than they were in this game yep and that's crazy to say because Mahomes was like breaking every record in the book yep. both offenses are better than they were in this game and this ended up being a super high scoring game yep. so I will point that out and say that the over has just been skyrocketing yep. upwards i bet it on sunday night last sunday night i think it was at 52 is what I got it at. It's now 54. Um, It's probably only going up because I can't see people convincing themselves that this game ends up being um, an under game. Here is one thing that I found really interesting on the Niners' side, was their coverage was just abysmal in this game. And we have talked a, a lot about the importance of coverage versus pass rush. And the Niners' narrative is that, oh, they've all of a sudden become a much better defense and a much better team because of their pass rush. I looked this up. When opposing quarterbacks were in a clean pocket, throwing the ball between two and four seconds. So basically, a normal-ish play, they're in a clean pocket. The 49ers, uh, that means there's no pressure. The D-line has not gotten pressure on this play. The 49ers last year had the worst coverage grade in the NFL. You know what they have this season in that same circumstance? Numero uno. Yeah. The best. So I'm not saying that the pass rush has nothing to do with it. Obviously, their pass rush has gotten better. They've graded better. Yeah. But their coverage has too. And looking at all of the mathematical backing for this, like that ma- coverage, the improvement in coverage matters more. And yes, there is some intertwining, but it goes both okay. freaking ways. Well,
2: and I'll, and I'll bring it back here, not to, not to be all chief centric but last season the Chiefs pass rush was 89.2, literally our highest – and they were a bottom five defense in yep. the NFL. And their pass rush this season, and again, Frank Clark has done better, but the Chiefs pass rush this year by our grades is third is 31st. So they go from first to second to last. And they are, you know, depending on how you look at the Chiefs defense, I think right now they're playing as a top 10 unit. But if you go season long, they're probably a top 20 unit. Um, but the improvement is almost entirely the most valuable player of a defense, which is the coordinator, and improvements, and it's never one coverage player. Sherman played for the Niners last year. It's the collection of players, and that's the thing that you look at. The Chiefs just, you know, we saw them get victimized by Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football, putting linebackers on running backs, and they just don't do that anymore. Yep. And and they use the, they, Matthew was signed to be the deep safety. That's what he wanted to do. His tweets were, I'm a center fielder now and he's not. He is he's what he's always been good at, which is you know playing the nickel spot, playing in the box, you know covering the other team's best inside player and like those improvements go I think transcend and allow for the pass rush to get home. Like Frank Clark has gotten home a lot, but it's a it's it's later in the rush. Like you saw the play against Houston where he literally had to circle. He went to Kansas City Joe's barbecue, got a, got some ribs, came back and sacked Watson. And then on the last play against Tennessee, that play was like three, four seconds into the drop back. That's 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 coverage. That's not pass rush. That's coverage helping pass rush. And both teams are a great example of the truth that we you know, printed out a, you know, a few months ago.
1: Speak your truth. Speak the truth. That, I, that to me kind of sums up where these two teams have come. And now we're sitting here this. So most people are going to bet on this game, the Super Bowl, right before the game. Yeah, And we've already seen a little bit of movement. I a, lo- a lot of, I mean, not on the side, but the total for sure. right? Not yeah, on the, yeah. So the side has pretty much stayed at one, one and a half. And I don't anticipate it moving a lot, right? I couldn't, I can't really see it moving through zero. Yep. If it does, not that big of a deal, right? And yep. um, there have been some biggish like bets on the Niners money line, but not, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this, how this goes on, you know, moving forward. Right. But there, we don't show a lot of value on the side. Right now, if you had to bet the side, and I've already bet it, are you still, are you still firmly in the Chiefs camp? No.
2: Not, no, I mean, because I have, I have futures on Kansas City. I'm probably going to be more inclined. I mean, let's put it this way. I don't see an edge on the side. I, I think uh, if you look at, you know, if you look at the, the different ensemble models that we put into green line, you look at the player level, favor san francisco because i think that they're 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 more spread out equally Mm -hmm. if you look at quarterback it's clearly kansas city what if you look at if you look at coaching it's pretty much a wash Mm -hmm. if you look at epa allowed per play you know epa stuff it's basically dead on this number so there's it just depends upon how you want to spin those but ultimately my take is like if you have a bunch of different models and they're all good and some point, one direction, some point in the other it 's best to lay off right you 're trying too hard if you're you know if you 're making a play in one direction exactly so you know and and at this point, i mean we are how do you, how do you feel about the total? Our number was right around fifty three and a half fifty four so when it was fifty one fifty one and a half, it was clearly an overplay yep. and now at fifty four i 'm not saying bet the under and, and granted like last night when I was on the the whale capper podcast, you know drew made a great point there's Name me a game state
1: where this is an under game. It's a wonky one. That's the thing, right? It has to be some sort of outlier game where you've got red zone interceptions. Yeah, you know, you have things that you don't see because right? because here's like he he
2: brought up he brought up um, you know thirty five seven Casey Casey just blows out San Francisco, but I brought up like that could very happen. Kansas City could have their way with San Francisco. But Garoppolo is a quarterback who throws enough interceptable passes where I still think the over hits, even if, if, if it's a game like this one where Kansas City gets out ahead, the Niners struggle offensively early, the Niners are either going to come back because they're a good offense and score enough points for this game to go over, or Jimmy G is going to throw enough interceptable passes where Kansas City is going to be in the red zone, and Kansas City is
1: a good enough offense where, like, you Dude, know, they there, score. I, I mean, I think the Chiefs won this game ain't happened.
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, and and right? so, so to Drew's point, which I think is a good one, like there aren't a ton. Like, what? Because here's the thing: the Titans had to play the game the other day the way that they played it. They and and they were executing it to perfection. You know, they took s- like six, seven minutes off the off the clock on their first drive. They took seven or eight minutes off the clock in the second half. You know, the second quarter drive to go up seventeen-seven, and it still didn't work. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the Niners. Have enough confidence in their abilities, offensively and defensively, where they don't have to do that kind of BS. They can try to I mean, play the game straight up, and and if you do that, you're going to try to score more points than Kansas
1: City. That's the that's their way to winning. The Niners absolutely smoked two teams that are better than any team that Kansas City has played in the playoffs. Now, I don't have a high opinion of the Packers, but I'm not. I don't think. The Titans and the, the Texans are not yeah. better than the Packers. And I would say that the Vikings overall are you yeah. know, just right there with the Packers. So the, the Niners are a team that is going to go out and they're going to put up points. I mean, Kansas City's defense has improved, but it's not, they're not playing in Arrowhead in 10-degree weather, right? Yeah. Like, There's no way that the Niners are just going to get shut out in this game. The, the interesting thing would be what happens if there's a big injury? And I think that could be something that could turn, you know, that that would be the outlier situation that would potentially, uh, you know, hurt this hurt one side a lot. Mm-hmm. Right now, obviously, a quarterback injury would be huge, but I'm also thinking like someone in the secondary or someone on the offensive line where all of a sudden they have to change a game plan because now Nick Bosa is running free at the quarterback. And it's like, oh, crap, you know, like, mm-hmm. what are we going to do about this? Or Richard Sherman gets hurt. You know, God forbid, and that whole coverage unit is toasted. So those are things that would would make it happen. Those are obviously huge outlier situations. So I don't think it's worth talking about um, betting one of those sides. So let's go to some props. Okay. And what I like about the props here. I mean, you like everything about the props
2: here. Because to me, like, let's say, okay, let's say that you like the Kansas City side. Let's Mm -hmm. say you either have futures, like, you know, let's say you bought into Kansas city futures early in the season, or you bought into them. You know, we had them as the favorite after Baltimore, but even then we had them as the second most favorited team when Baltimore was still in that. Let's say that you have a Kansas city future and you're thinking about, okay, how do I, how do I find a bet that correlates positively with Kansas city, but, but can also win if Kansas city doesn't win. And to me, it's Garoppolo's overs because if you look at, like, you know, for example, last week, Tannehill, his over under, I, I got it at 17 completions, right? Yeah, and it was, it was for a very same reason why the Niners, you know, totals aren't as high here is because they didn't need to throw the football in their two playoff wins. Mm-hmm. Garoppolo is at 19 and a half right now. It, it might open up differently other places. But if the Niners are going to win this football game, they're going to have to throw the football and he's going to have to complete probably 20 passes or more if the Chiefs win the football game, he's going to have to complete 20 passes or more
1: to stay in the game. And this is, that was why it was so interesting watching that Chiefs game from last year, the Niners-Chiefs game, is that to me it was that second half of the game when they started moving the ball and scoring, Garoppolo's throwing short. They were picking up yards after the catch. And that is what they've continued to do. He has a below seven average depth of targets, the lowest in the NFL, and they average the most yards after the catch. So the completions one is particularly you know interesting to me because it's like, that's just what they do, yep. right? They're going to scheme guys open. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. The idea that they're just going to be able to use the same game plan against the team that they were blowing out when they go play one of the best offenses ever created is absolutely farcical, and you're delusional if you think that's going to happen. So I'm with you on the Garoppolo ones. Um, there's a couple other uh, others that I really like. So you mentioned Sammy Watkins had this huge game. Mm -hmm. He ain't having another one in this game. Um, So I, I both like uh, Demarcus Robinson over nineteen and a half. Yep, I love that. Uh, And Miko Hardman over twenty twenty one. Well, that was my
2: tactic in when I was betting the game, the AFC title game. Is I had Robinson over. I had Hardman over, and I had uh Watkins over now Hardman only had the one catch but Robinson got his over on one play yep. and again like that's like and that's the thing like one of the one of the things that became immediately apparent to me as a Chiefs fan in the last Niners game was all these players who I think are stiffs with other quarterbacks like so Chris Conley caught a yeah, touchdown yeah, yeah. in that game right like I mean he caught that one yeah it's incredible and, and Chris Conley couldn't sniff the end zone with Alex Smith, but. After Mahomes does all this kind of stuff, even Chris Conley can get yeah. wide open. Yeah. And so I, I, I agree with that. I even looking at somebody like Blake Bell, his his receiving yardage over is seven and a half. That that's
1: one pass play. Yep. Right to, to the secondary tight end there. Um the other one that I really like in that is aligned with what you were talking about is the Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. Uh and right now like the place that you found these at, it's at forty and a half. I would take forty and a half. Um Pretty happily. I mean, Kittle at seventy and a half, and a half, I think, is, is a little steep. I think they're going to put Matthew, as you said, I'm in agreement with you, that they really try to lock down Kittle with Matthew. Sanders has had two really subpar games from a receiving standpoint. But if you listen to what the 49ers have talked about, they have been praising Sanders' run blocking left yep. and right. And you know what? Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is one of the coolest coaches in the NFL because he gets it from a work standpoint, but he also gets it from a getting it, Yep. standpoint and he is going in this game to have he is going to reward the guys who are great players mm-hmm. who have played great and that can be in the run game that can be in the pass game but I would be very surprised if Emmanuel Sanders is not uh, the recipient of many a Garoppolo throw Tyreek Hill seventy four and a half is interesting too H- how do you feel about him because I mean yeah. the, the Niners have just been so good at limiting the deep shots, seventy-four and a half. One deep shot does not clear that like it does with Hardman. Well, my thing, my thing is, is if you're going to bet the the the
2: primary players for either team, I think you have to get it to a. You have to basically do the the um, prop maker type of thing. So instead of betting Hill seventy-four and a half minus one ten, minus one twenty on either side. You bet Hill over one fifty at plus two hundred. Sure, sure, you know what sure. I mean, like, because to me, like it's a it's a very like barbell type of uh, distribution mm-hmm. where like he he's either going to it's either going to be the Houston game where he's not involved at all or it's going to be the Tennessee game where he's involved a lot. Same thing with Kelsey, right? It's either going to be like it just and and you know Mahomes will find one of those players and make that player a superstar, but the secondary guys like you know that's why i like your approach of going with the sort of the the tertiary receivers for kansas city yep. the the primary ones i think you have to really sort of be careful you know yeah, that's what I'm, i i'm
1: all about emmanuel sanders and then uh the demarcus robinson equal hard and the running backs
2: there. for the running backs for the niners are the same thing yep. like if you're going to try if you if, you're if you come to me and Riffey tell and me Boster, you're, yeah. you're a clown you i mean either take Either take the under on all three of the running backs and then go t- two for three, or take, or say, okay, I'm going to bet the plus money prop for all three of them. Yeah. One of them, it'll be Tevin Coleman in the Super Bowl, whomever, if he's healthy, or, or, uh, uh, Matt Breed. I don't know why he's fallen out of favor. He seems like a good running back, but it's like, but one of those guys will do something. Um, here's, I've also, I also really like and I've bet myself the Damian Williams under rushing yard. Yes, it's third, two and a half. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, there are a couple other things that I found really interesting. We've got to get out of here. But uh, Super Bowl um, MVP. Uh, I was looking at this yesterday. Um, if you're betting, first off, if you're going to bet Mahomes for Super Bowl MVP. Please just bet, like, the Chiefs to win the game. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, it was a, like, like I, he, he's I think minus one twenty five where I saw
2: him, and it's like the Chiefs aren't even minus one twenty five. Right. And there's only been one player in the history of the Super Bowl who's won an MVP while not winning, and it was a linebacker for Dallas in like the 60s. So, Stop.
1: on the other side of things, though, here's one that I really like, and I believe he's plus six thousand. Uh, is Richard Sherman? If the Niners win this game, look, they're the underdog, even though it's slightly. Yeah. Um, the fact that they will have won and stopped. I think the narrative will be, look, if they've won, they've overcome the Mahomes yeah. thing. And if Richard Sherman makes one big play, I think even if it's not an interception, right? Like if he has this huge knock away on a deep, deep shot and Garoppolo throws a really bad interception and you, you know, they're going to, they're going to spread out yeah, the yeah. wealth, like amongst the receivers, amongst the running backs. I really like Richard Sherman there. Um, and I also, I kind of like Emmanuel Sanders too. Yeah
2: my my issue though so we've seen receivers win the we've seen receivers win mvp behinds ward julian edelman deon branch yep um the the issue has always been that the other team's opposing offense was not good enough like in my opinion if the, if the 49ers win this game on sunday jimmy g will be the mvp just because there's it's not like one wide receiver is not going to do enough to overcome Mahomes. True. And so for me, like for the, for the Niners to win the game, and they can, and Jimmy G can do this, he's, it's going to be, have to be a game like he played against the Saints. And, yeah. and I think the problem is, is like Kittle was great against the Saints, but Jimmy G threw it to everybody, and yeah. everybody was great. The
1: only point I would make there is that he does, but he throws it short. Yeah. So if, there, you know, if it's a lot of dink and dunks, I mean, we're smarter now. Like, yeah. I, I do think people be attuned to that. I don't, I don't disagree with you, though, especially because they want to get his face on TV. I would just say this. Rich Sherman's a super long shot. And if he makes one big play that, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are driving to try and win the yep. game. And he makes this huge, you know, knock away on Tyreek Hill down the field. And that seals it. Yep. Like, and he's had a good game all, season, uh, all, all day. I think that's a possibility. Uh, you are off to new Orleans. I'm staying here in the frozen tundra of Cincinnati, which means I get to go to the uh, Cincy Y and freeze my, my, my story from the Cincy Y actually comes from my apartment gym, which has been stuck at like 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And so now every morning I'm wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants and I look like one of those people that's like trying to, to really grind weight. The only the only nice thing about that has been that there's no one else in the gym because it's it's legitimately yeah. like freezing.
2: They should yeah, the gym the gym goers should really like they we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that it should just more or less be in the uh uh like June. June should be when people start to when fake start. like the gym again. I've
1: asked now like three times for them to turn up the heat and it still has not happened. So uh if anyone is listening that can do something for me, help me out. Uh you have any good stories? uh
2: no other than yesterday you know we had an odd number of players so um playing basketball we played basketball and me and steve went against uh three you know three smaller people and that was a full court two on three and that was not a good decision because me neither me or steve really we we applied defense doesn't matter to the basketball court let's just put it that way that's fun
1: next week we'll be in miami we'll be doing some stuff for miami We'll have a bunch of uh, live stuff, morning and evening, and then some good podcasts, some good guests so good lined guests up. good guests lined up, yep, for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun, so enjoy your weekend, rest up, prepare yourself. Mm-hmm.